Locked On Bruins, your daily podcast on the Boston Bruins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, Bruins fans, and welcome back to the Locked On Boston Bruins podcast. I'm your host, Ian McLaren, and this is a daily show where we discuss all things spoke to be, as well as take a look around the NHL. Today is Thursday, August 19th. And this episode is brought to you by the Locked On NHL podcast. Subscribe and listen each day for a quick look at the biggest stories around the league wherever you get podcasts. On this episode of Locked On Boston Bruins, I am pleased to be joined by Emily Benjamin, formerly covered the Bruins for the Boston Globe. She's now a features writer for NHL.com, someone whose work I have enjoyed and admired for a long time, and I was very pleased to be able to connect with her and to get her insights on a busy Bruins offseason so far. Uh, Before we get to that, a quick reminder to please smash that subscribe button so that each new episode will be automatically added to your feed, whether you use Apple, Spotify, Google, Odyssey, Pocket Casts is what I use on my phone. Uh, Yeah, please do subscribe. And if you can rate and review, especially if you're an Apple user, that would be very much appreciated. For those of you on Twitter and Instagram, Locked On Boston Bruins can be found at Locked NHL Bruins. Recently kind of amalgamated those two handles. And uh, if you want to follow me, my dad jokes, hockey tweets, you can do so at Ian C. McLaren. Now we'll get to some news and notes from around the NHL later, but first, I did want to get to this chat with Emily. Uh, I hope you enjoy it as much as I did, and uh, here it is. All right, I am very pleased to be joined on the podcast today by Emily Benjamin, uh, who you probably know as former Bruins beat writer for the Boston Globe. She now uh, covers everything for NHL.com. I've been following her for quite some time on uh, on social media and very much enjoyed uh, her coverage of the Bruins and still now on NHL.com. And uh, thank you so much for taking some time to chat today. How are you doing, Emily? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me, Ian. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it's a pleasure. I've uh, been meaning to, to reach out for a while and uh, yeah, get your take on kind of the Boston Bruins as they stand uh, at the moment. Obviously, it's been, uh, I don't know, for me, it's been a busier than expected offseason. I wasn't expecting this much kind of roster turnover and uh, changes. Um, I guess the biggest one is David Krejci uh, heading home to the the Czech Republic and leaving a pretty big hole at the second line center spot. Um, Kind of what... What are your thoughts on that? Were you surprised that he ultimately decided to to head home? And uh, yeah, we'll start there and then maybe move on to the to that hole at second line center. Were you surprised with with uh, Krejci's decision? I guess it's sort of a, a yes and a no. Uh, I know this is something that that he has talked about in his career. And obviously this last year and a half, two years have been sort of unsettling for a lot of people. So I think the idea of being able to go home to your family, to spend time with them, to, you know, reconnect with his roots and have his children learn Czech. I think that's something that probably over the last year and a half probably came more and and more to the forefront. Um, I know he'd been talking to teammates over the last year about this possibility. Um, So 
I, I think you're sort of surprised and not surprised at the same time. But yeah, you, you, when you say, you know, it's, it's been a, a busy offseason with a lot more turnover than you expected, I, I agree with that. And I think really the tipping point is Krejci. If Krejci stays, it probably doesn't feel like next season's going to be as different for the Bruins. But Krejci leaving makes makes a lot of things sort of different and, and, and not like everyone has been used to watching these Bruins. Yeah, I guess the the Krejci news came a couple of days after the start of free agency. But based on Don Sweeney's approach to the first day of free agency, adding, you know, Nick Foligno, Eric Howla, Thomas Nasik up front. Do you think uh, he went into that day knowing that he had some holes to fill there with uh, with Krejci ultimately heading heading home? Yeah, I think he certainly approached this offseason as this is a very strong possibility. I don't know if if Sweeney knew that it was 100% at that point, but Mm -hmm. he certainly approached it as in this is a possibility we need to make sure that we are covered for. And uh, there there didn't seem to be a lot of options to sort of do a one-to-one replacement for Krejci to to bring in a guy of that caliber. So Mm -hmm. as he has said, you know, it's sort of going to be a a by-committee situation and and Charlie Coyle is going to be that first man up to to try and fill that hole. Um, And I mean, given what we have at times seen Coyle be able to do uh there's a possibility that he may be able to to fill that role and fill it well um he's going to need to to give more certainly than we saw last season though there were injury issues last season but um you know this is going to be a a big a big test for for charlie coyle or whoever else they they may try in that spot yeah i was going to ask about that yeah with with coyle getting the first crack at the job uh, head coach Bruce Cassidy's kind of already said that uh, he'll be the guy up first um, but there are some other options I suppose with uh, Nick Felino able to play center although I don't know if that would be ideal but one guy that um, jumps out to me as having a chance uh, is is young Jack Stanika and, and the word is that he's been really putting in the work this off season to to muscle up to to uh, yeah just strengthen uh, his game on and off the ice. Is he perhaps a dark horse to to take that spot or, or do you think he's still maybe a year or two away? I think it's hard to know. I haven't gotten to see him a ton, mm. but you know, I think that's the hope, you know, that's the hope if you're the Boston Bruins organization is that he is ready, that he takes the reins, that he runs with it, that you can move coil down and, and, and have him anchor that third line the way he has been. I, I think that would be a best case scenario. If you can, slot Studnika into that spot um, with Taylor Hall and then possibly Craig Smith on the other side, or, Mm. or maybe someone else fills that other side. But uh, I think that is best case scenario. I don't, I don't know if he'll be ready and and it may be a situation where he um, is trending in that direction and, and there are some growing pains and maybe Sometimes it's Coyle, sometimes it's Studnika, sometimes that by committee um, terminology comes back in there. But um, that is what they have been hoping for Studnika for a long time. Mm -hmm. I guess another option that still could happen would be uh, acquiring a center via trade. That's something that's kind of been out there. Uh, We I think we know that Don Sweeney has been in talks with, with the Arizona Coyotes, for example, in regards to Christian Dvorak, um, Jake DeBrusque still kind of, um, you know, they're hoping 
at the moment that he might have a bounce back season, but his name always seems to come up. Is it, is it possible? Do you think that, that he and perhaps a, a package of prospects could be uh, flipped to bring in that help at, at the center position before, before uh, training camp begins? It's always a possibility. I mean, I, I think, um, you know, that's something that, that Sweeney is well aware that, they are weaker than they used to be in that position. I, I think there's, there's no question about that. He knows it. Uh, Bruce Cassidy knows it. Everyone knows that. And so um, that's not necessarily a position of strength to, to deal from. Uh, so I, I think it, it, it's a possibility before the season. I, it certainly is um, something where they can let it play out and see how it goes with the internal options that they have. They do have, um, so a little bit of volume at center um, mm-hmm. to to maybe mix and match and, and work through. Um, but that's something that, that Sweeney has no question keeping his his eye on, his phone handy, all that stuff. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start a new season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including the half-million-dollar NFL Mega Contest and the $200,000 NFL Survivor Contest open now at BetOnline. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 100% welcome bonus by using promo code LOCKEDON. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Buccaneers and the Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports from football, basketball, boxing to hockey and horse racing. Don't wait. Take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season at Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Just to go back to Krejci for a moment, I know you've been around the team for, I believe, over a decade now, going back to your to re- your days with the Globe. Um, can you just kind of summarize how important David Krejci was to the Boston Bruins uh, over the last? yeah, 14 years or so. And and do you have any um, memories or or moments from his time in Boston that stand out to you personally? Yeah, I think I always go back to what Claude Julien used to say was that this team goes as David Krejci goes. That Mm -hmm. that was how important he was to this team, that you, you sort of always knew how your top line, how Patrice Bergeron was going to play. That was, you know, within a very small margin of error, he, he sort of is is who he is. And, and, and that is, you know, a dynamic star. And then Krejci was, was really a bellwether for how this team played. I mean, he was so good in the playoffs in that Mm -hmm. run in, in 2011, he, he powered the team in so many ways. And so I think that, we always saw when Krejci was uh, healthy, when he was engaged, when he was doing the things that he could do, he made this team jump from, you know, very good playoff caliber team to great team. And, and, and there's a lot that's going to be lost there. He, he was, mm-hmm. he was a, a good teammate. He was a guy that a lot of, a lot of guys liked. He, he took Pasternak under his wing when, when he was young and just entering the league. So this is a guy who, who sort of 
um, maybe quietly was a huge piece of this team's core of this team's identity uh, of what made this team great. And, and that's, that's certainly a, a loss. You know, it's not necessarily the same kind of flashy loss as, as a Zidane Ochara, as a, as a, you know, I guess we don't know the status of, <laughs> right, ultimately yeah. of Tuka Rask, but um, you know, he, he was a quieter piece, um, but in many ways, just as important as some of those bigger names. And I mean, what, yeah, we saw, him most recently kind of uh, gel with uh, Taylor Hall and with all the talk about the, the newer acquisitions, uh, you know, the, the guys that they signed on the first day of free agency. Um, I think it, it's um, perhaps overlooked the fact that Taylor Hall has resigned with the Boston Bruins. And, and I don't know how much of that was due to his chemistry with David Krejci, but um yeah, what's, what's your sense on how he has fit into the team so far and, and what he uh, can bring? Um, do you think he can kind of carry the second line without uh, without the help of David Krejci, or, or um, is he going to have to kind of find some new chemistry with with Coyle or whoever's in there? You know, I think, I think this was – we all thought before uh, the trade deadline, before he was traded that, that this would be about the best spot he could land in that it, it that, that the Bruins fit him in many ways that, that they fit him and he he would be a good fit for them um and I think that you know with him feeling more comfortable with him feeling settled uh he has this you know this deal he has four years um to to sort of figure out his path I think that will be be good for him. I mean, he is a guy who has bounced around, who has had very high highs and some pretty low lows in his career. And it was actually, it was interesting. I was talking to uh, John Hines earlier this summer who coached him obviously in that heart trophy season um, in New Jersey. And, and he talked about how they had to really come to, to a trust and to an understanding and to find a relationship that, that would, would help Taylor Hall find his best game. And, and when, the trade happened and when Bruce Cassidy uh, called John Hines right, right around then to, to get his take um, Hines said that, that Cassidy would be that same kind of right coach for Taylor Hall, that, that, that he believed that they would um, be good for each other. And I think that's, that's something that's going to be really interesting to see how that relationship builds um, how, how they work together. And, and as we've talked about when, when Hall came here, how, um, he works as a guy who is not, doesn't have to have the pressure of being a star, right. who doesn't have to have the pressure of, of being a heart trophy candidate, who can be a, a very good line, you know, second line winner as opposed to the guy. And I think right. that is something that will be very good for him. Something actually I, I was talking to Cassidy, he pointed out was that, um, in terms of the, of the coil uh, hall dynamic was that coil was at his, we have seen coil at his best sometimes with Marcus Johansson on mm. his wing. And yeah. um, Cassidy pointed out that there are some similarities there with hall and Johansson in terms mm. of how they might work together. I thought that was, that was interesting and, and, yeah. and an interesting thought as to how that might fit as we go into this season. Yeah. Very interesting. Um a couple more questions for you. I was just thinking about Cassidy and, and one of the bigger pieces of news lately was the additions of uh, Chris Kelly as an assistant coach and Adam McQuaid as a player development coordinator. Uh, based on what you know about 
those two guys uh, who <laughs> it makes makes me feel old to think that guys who won the cup are now coaching the team or are helping out. But what do you think they can bring to, to this current group that uh, will benefit kind of the the veteran guys that they, they played with still, I guess it's only uh, Brad Marchand and Patrice Bergeron who are still from the, the 2011 team with two Garask pending, I suppose. But yeah, what do you think they can bring uh, to the veterans, to the young guys uh, in their respective roles beginning this season? It's amazing how that list keeps getting whittled away, I keeps know. getting smaller and smaller and smaller. Uh, you know, I think it, it, these are these are two really good hires. I I have always um, admired the way uh, Chris Kelly both um, sees the game, the way he communicates. Um, and, and obviously, uh, as a member of the media, that's something, you know, I have spent a lot of time talking to Chris Kelly um, and and Adam McQuaid, um, who is a, another one of my favorites to cover. Um uh, but I think that they are both guys who sort of are able to, to bridge that gap between um, potentially sort of an older generation of, uh, of coaches um, that are there previously and players, especially as some younger guys join this team, they have the benefit of, you know, sort of a gravitas that comes from having won the cup, from having succeeded at, at the highest level. That is something that will make you know, younger players have their ears perk up and listen. Um, so th- these are guys who, who I think we thought when they were playing would probably come back into the game in, in some of these mentoring coaching roles. And, and it's, it's good to see that they have, they have found a home here. Um, hmm. So I think they'll, they'll definitely be valuable additions. Uh, there, there was a lot of excitement. I know around um, McQuaid joining the organization. He's a very, very well-liked guy as mm-hmm. is Kelly. Um, and it'll be, it'll be interesting to sort of see how they work out the coaching staff, what Kelly's responsibilities will be. He mentioned uh, maybe working um, on the defensive side, uh, right. which has always been a hallmark of, uh, of his playing career. So mm-hmm. I think that some of those details have yet to be entirely worked out uh, with the season approaching, but um, I think the, these are two good additions and, and it'll be interesting to see how, how they do in, in these new roles. Yeah, for sure. With an ever-increasing number of makes and models, it's almost impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. You don't have to settle for only the parts and brands that their warehouse happens to carry. You have a computer, you have a phone with access to rockauto.com at home or in your pocket. You can simply save time and money when using Rock Auto. They're a family-owned business, and they've been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership when you can get their reliably low prices for every customer and every part? They have everything you could need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, new carpet, even new gas cap, something I ordered. Go explore their easy-to-use website and find the solution for your auto parts needs. Right, locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. Built Bar is the best-tasting protein bar on the market. There's just no debate about that. Where the debate comes in is which one is your favorite. 
You can choose from coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate, and right now there's even a special grasshopper cookie flavor. Now not only are they great tasting, but they're also healthy too. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, 4 to 5 grams of sugar, 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. Go to built. Dot com and use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. You get a mixed box where you can get two of each of the nine flavors. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Built Bar, the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. And then uh, finally, you mentioned uh, Tugarask, or we've mentioned him uh, throughout the course of this chat, and there's some uncertainty as to whether you know, he'll be healthy enough to come back. Um, the Bruins have kind of hedged things by adding Linus Allmark. We all know uh, Jeremy Swayman uh, is waiting in the wings as well. If Tuca does not end up coming back uh, or, you know, if this is his last season, um, what do you think his legacy will be uh, in Boston? There's a lot of um, talk about, you know, he's, the winningest goalie in NHL history or no in Bruins history. He's taken the, the, the team to the, to the finals twice, hasn't been able to win. So he gets a lot of criticism for that, which I think is unfair as a side note, but uh, what do you think his legacy would be in Boston if he were not to come back or, or if they weren't able to get over the hump, say this year, if, if he does come back for, for one more hurrah. I think this is such a tricky question or such a tricky thing because uh, I have forever been baffled by what he is thought of mm-hmm. uh, or thought as in Boston. It, it, it's very, it continues to be very confusing to me yeah. uh, why he is not more beloved. He has mm-hmm. been a, 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 at times a truly great goaltender. The the numbers in some of those playoff runs are are unbelievable. And yep. and I think he he had the misfortune of of not being Tim Thomas, which <laughs> really is not his fault. Um, that that was a hard, hard act to follow. And it is true that he hasn't won a cup. There, there's no arguing with that. I mean I guess there is arguing because he was on the 2011 team and he does have a cup ring, right. but he did, he did not yeah. goaltend a team uh, all the way to the cup. Um, but he, he has been to the final multiple times. He, he has been great in those playoffs. He has been great in the regular season. And, and uh, I am hoping for his sake and, and also just for sort of the sake of the rightness of, 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 I guess the justice for his career that maybe when he does eventually retire, that, that people eventually soften on him in, in hindsight, in retrospect. Um, I think that would be fair. Um, it's, it's a really tough thing. And, and I continue to, to sort of be, be baffled at it. I, I think he, um, he deserves better. Yeah. Uh, ultimately in terms of his legacy. hundred percent. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. Um, and yeah, before I let you go, I always like to ask people kind of how they're keeping busy off or away from the game as well. Are there any kind of uh, shows that you've been watching this summer, any movies? I know you have a couple young ones at home. Any, uh, 
a lot of Disney Plus happening, or, or what's uh, what have you been enjoying, kind of away from sports over the summer? Well, I, I have a, a, a four-year-old and a two-year-old, uh, both boys. We we do a lot of Transformers and Rescue Bots. Oh, okay, yeah, for sure. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of stinky and dirty around here. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Um, that's a big so, one here too. Yeah, so that keeps me busy. But um, I'm actually a, a voracious reader, which probably oh, nice. um, isn't isn't that surprising given what what I do. So mm-hmm. um, I uh, I read a lot of books, and that is that's mostly mostly what you'll find me doing way too late into the night uh, when I should be sleeping. That's that's any, sort of uh, my uh... <laughs> any good ones that stand out recently or. That is a good question. Um, is is this where I plug the fact that my husband just finished his second book and, and yeah. everyone should go buy that one? Yeah, that's a good one for sure. <laughs> <laughs> chasing the Chasing the Thrill by Dan Barbarisi is nice. uh, is my is my best recommend, recommendation for this summer. It was uh, it was a fun book to live and and it's definitely all biases aside. A, it, it's a fun book to read as well. Very cool. Yeah. People should check that out. And where can people find you on uh, social media and where can people find your, uh, your hockey, your hockey writing? I'm at NHL.com always. And um, at Emily Benjamin on Twitter um, and good luck spelling it. <laughs> well, I will be <laughs> sure to, uh, to tag it in, uh, in the uh, show notes so that people can find you very easily. And if people aren't following already, I don't know what, uh, what they're doing. They're missing out for sure on some, some great hockey writing. Um, and, uh, yeah, I can't uh, express enough how much I appreciate you taking some time and hopefully, uh, we can chat again sometime down the road. Absolutely. It was, it was fun. Perfect. All right. Well, thank you so much and have a great rest of the day. Thanks Ian. All right. Take care. You too. All right, such a great chat with Emily Benjamin, who you can find, of course, at Emily Benjamin and at NHL.com. She mentioned before we started recording that she's working on a piece about Taylor Hall, so look out for that at NHL.com for sure. Let's get to some news and notes from around the NHL, and one of the big stories today is Austin Matthews being named the cover boy for NHL 22, the second time in three years that he will be on the cover of the most popular video hockey game out there. It's my contention that David Pasternak should have been on the cover at some point over the last couple years. Last season, they went with Alex Ovechkin, with whom Pasternak shared the Richard Trophy in 2019-20. I understand... Uh, Matthews is American. He plays for perhaps the team with the widest reach in the Toronto Maple Leafs. But I do believe that David Pasternak is criminally underused as a potential face of the uh, NHL. And his marketability is off the charts. And I really hope that he gets his due at some point. In the end, I do uh, often think about uh, Pasternak and his girlfriend Rebecca Rolson, and the fact that they, uh, you know, lost their child earlier this off season. I saw an Instagram post of them, you know, uh, arm in arm, smiling. That was great to see, and I hope they're doing well. Uh, what else is going on? I saw that Fluto Shinzawa of the Athletic uh, had a mailbag segment a couple days ago, and he mentioned the two Alberta teams possibly having interest 
in Jake DeBrusque. I have seen rumblings here and there of potentially seeing Sean Monahan coming to the Boston Bruins. I don't know how feasible that would be. Uh, he would be, of course, a great uh, second-line center, to be sure. But uh, whether or not Jake DeBrusque plus picks and prospects will be enough to get that done, uh, I highly doubt it. Also, uh, the Christian Dvorak situation is still up in the air, as I mentioned in the chat with Emily. I meant to ask her about her thoughts on the Jack Eichel situation. Perhaps next time uh, I'm able to chat, I can bring that up. The other bit of news yesterday was Jeremy Rutherford expressing, uh, or sorry, saying the St. Louis Blues have expressed interest in unrestricted free agent defenseman Zdeno Chara. How painful would it be to see both Krug and Chara playing in St. Louis? Apparently, though, uh, Andy Strickland of Bally Sports Midwest tweeted he was told the Blues aren't an option for Chara because he wants to stay in the East and be close to his family. And one more note, I noticed on ESPN the other day, Greg Wyshynski, formerly known as Puck Daddy, uh, put Linus Allmark on his list of potential breakout players this season. He wrote, The offseason had so many blockbuster transactions that many overlooked the Bruins passing the torch to Olmark on a four-year deal with trade protection. While the door isn't closed on Rask coming back in some capacity after hip surgery, this kind of commitment tells you they believe the 28-year-old can take the crease. And there's evidence to that end, Wyshynski continues. Allmark has put together two straight strong seasons on a terrible Sabres team, including a 9-6-3 record and a 9-17 save percentage last season for a team that had a 3-30 points percentage in the standings. He saved over 10 goals above average for the second worst defensive team in the NHL. He's now playing for a team that was fourth in goals against and second on the penalty kill after having Buffalo's 26th ranked penalty kill drag down his stats. This feels like an NFL team taking a solid quarterback from a mediocre team, sticking him with some time-tested system, and watching him turn into an all-pro. We can only hope that happens. I am pretty high on Allmark coming over from Buffalo, becoming a Boston Bruin, uh, based on a lot of what he said. Uh, his stats with the very lowly Sabres were pretty encouraging, and you put him in uh, this situation, he could indeed excel, and uh, hopefully that is the case. Anyways, that's it for today's episode of Locked On Boston Bruins. Many thanks again to Emily Benjamin for being willing to jump on, and I'm uh, looking forward to chatting with her again in the future. I'm uh, not sure if we will have another podcast this week, uh, as we've already got the three out but if anything big happens uh be sure to yeah subscribe so that when the next pod drops you are sure to catch it thanks so much for the ongoing support friends hope you're all doing well taking care of yourselves taking care of each other and uh we will talk to you again soon go bees